Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shad. This week we're covering 1989's I, Madman. They say that if you want to escape reality, all you really have to do is pick up a good book. Why don't we just take it from the top, okay? It all started with the book. One minute I was reading about him, and the next minute he was standing right next to me. But when the escape becomes an obsession... I'm helping you with this crap. I can't stop. It is the return to reality that becomes the challenge. Why would anybody do such a thing? Because he thinks that it will please me. Lovely. What is happening to you? Damn it, Richard, listen to me. I'm telling you, there's going to be another killing tonight. You can't stake out every building in the city based on some uh, cryptic passage from a 30-year-old novel. Boy, down. I, Madman. Read any good books lately? So this film is starring Jenny Wright, um, who, her name in the movie is Virginia, and you pointed out that she looks like, resembles Virginia Madsen. Yes. Which is funny, because her co-star, Clayton Rawner, plays her boyfriend Richard, and he's from... Modern Girls, Just One of the Guys. April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. And in Modern Girls, the woman in one of the girls in the modern, one of the modern girls is Virginia Madsen. (laughs) So I don't know if maybe they did have Virginia Madsen in mind for this role. Uh, Because, yeah, she's very, they're very similar looking. Um, I also feel she looks a lot like Virginia Madsen does in Candyman. Oh, yeah. Like, just her outfits and her hair looks a lot like Virginia Madsen in Candyman. So I wondered if they kind of saw this and said, you know what, let's let's take this look. And it kind of also, not that the story follows the Candyman story, but there's some slight similarities Yeah, um, with that. And then Madman, we're just going to call him Madman, uh, is Randall William Cook, who's a special effects artist most known for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He also worked on Ghostbusters. He created the design, sculpted the Terror Dogs. He also oh. did the Gate. Um, so yeah, he's a fancy guy, and he was like, "I want to do. I want to be in the makeup. Like I want to be the. I want to be I Mad Man." They were like, "Okay, sure, so, why not? We'll just give you a slightly extra check instead of having to pay a whole guy another check." Exactly. Exactly. We're gonna give you five cents more. Um. So. This film you actually saw was one of those random, like, I'm out and about, and you just randomly just choose a film to watch, and you watched this film months ago, and you've been telling me 
hey, we should, you probably were going to really love this film. We should check it out. Let's watch it again. Hey. And finally, we watched it. And it's on Tubi. Yep. And I have to say that it is a fantastic movie. I love the movie. This is directed by, I'm pretty sure I'm going to mess his name up, Tybor Takix, who directed uh, The Gate and The Gate 2. Um, he directed a lot of things. Like He went on to do like a lot of the sci-fi movies like Mansquito. He's done a lot of uh, like Hallmark and Lifetime movies. He's had an interesting career. And it was written by David Chaskin, who wrote A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, uh, Freddy's Revenge, and all that controversy that went with that. Uh, he also wrote uh, The Curse, the Will Wheaton one, and an episode of Monsters that uh, I don't remember. I saw a lot of those episodes when they aired, but some of them didn't stick with me. But the last thing he's credited with writing was a movie in 2000, so I guess he's kind of retired out of the business. So this film, we have a woman who's Jenny Wright, and Jenny Wright's character, she is... You know, when you first see her, I thought, oh, okay. She's like, you know, it's a dark, you know, it's nighttime. She's like reading a it's novel. It's a dark and stormy night and she's dressed in her uh, underwear just walking around. You know, she's home, so she's comfortable. And, it, you know, for, I don't even know how much of the movie, like how further in. Like when she calls, which seems like a booty call. She calls someone to come over because she's reading the book. She gets a little scared. She yeah. she gets a little scared. She gets a little paranoid. And, you know, there's stormy outside. So it's like, ah, I need someone to come over. So she's asking the dude to come over. I like when he does come over, though. She gets fully dressed. Because she's yeah. like, look, even though it's like 3 in the morning, I don't want you to think that I'm asking you to come here because we're going to do anything. Wink. But, so I'm going to be fully clothed. I'm not going to just open the door in my panties. Like, what kind of girl am I? Hey, maybe she wouldn't want to think she was that easy. I guess, but this is the thing but that gets me. she called him over for a booty call at 3 in the morning. So, come on, we all knew what was going on there. Well, then you come to find out they're dating. Like, I didn't believe that at all. I thought this, for the longest part, like, I don't even know how far into the movie. I thought he was just a booty call. Because he only came over at night. It was never a day date. There was never... Uh, well, he's a police detective. He works well, long hours. Okay, well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it didn't dawn on me until it was like, oh, he's out solving crimes. He can't be... But, like, how long are you in the precinct, though? You're not in the precinct from, like, 6 a.m. to, like, 3 in the morning. I, you know what? Actually, I don't know. Maybe you are. They do a lot of times work 12-hour shifts. So he might be going in at noon and getting off at midnight. Yeah, I guess. Okay, fine. So she's reading a novel by Malcolm Brand called Much of Madness, More of Sin. Ooh. And it has that like... Sounds titillating. Oh, goodness. It has that like 50s, like noir kind of detective. Yeah. Like Like detective monster movie thing. Yeah. It's like sci-fi, like 50s sci-fi, like with noir stuff in it. It just, it gave me those vibes. And the book is about a guy staying in a hotel who has created a half-man, half-jackal creature that he has locked in a suitcase. And how it escapes and goes on like a murder spree in the hotel. And, you you know, she starts to get the definite creepy sense that, like, 
the thing might be watching her and you know she looks out the window and you see the guy across the street that runs like the piano store like playing piano and I think he was a piano I I, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but I think he was like a cleaner like a janitor that played the piano there was a piano store like a restoration store and he plays the piano to like practice his piano because he's poor and he can't afford a piano but he works at this place purposely just so because he's the only one at night he can play the piano i'm pretty sure because a lot of the time when they show him there's like a broom or a mop like in the window i know i noticed the strangest things because i'm always i like my thing is like she lives right across from this guy. Yeah. This is not the guy that's learning how to play the piano. This mofo could fucking play. Like, he's playing, like, I feel like, I'm, you know, it's like Phantom of the Opera across the street. Like, there's a lot of piano work going on. And she has, she just, you know, her whole window's open. She has this free music every night. She's got the free piano music to read by and to have sex by. Because they just do it in front of the window while this guy's playing the piano for him. He's giving them their own little accompaniment to their sexcapades. And he's too busy playing the fucking piano because he's facing the opposite direction to yeah, he catch any catch of that. On. He has no idea what's going on. But yeah, so that's happening. And, you know, this is the part of the movie that I actually really love because I'm that girl. When you find out, oh, she's an indie bookseller and in one of those fucking bookstores that you dream about if you're like into if they're a bibliophile like you're obsessed with books you want to be in this musty ass like delicious smelling store of books because the books are stacked high like books on top of books you don't even know what's going on with the books there's it's books just... on the stairs to go upstairs to yes. the attic there's just books stacked on the stairs this is the kind of place you go into and you find that book you've been looking for for 20 years just sitting there and it's like a dollar twenty-five. Exactly. Like for the modern people that have never experienced like, like your bookstores like Barnes & Noble, like that's the only bookstore you've ever seen in your whole life. Um, it's like the U bookstore, but like times 1,000 because at least the U bookstore is kind of organized. <laughs> this yeah. this is not. This is like holds like there's just books everywhere and uh, you're going to find a fucking gem in there, you know? I want to work there. So she works there with her friend and yeah. that's how she gets a hold how she gets introduced to Malcolm Brand and she's done reading her novel. She's out to go look for the next novel. Now the dude only wrote two books. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Well, it's like, didn't I see one of these in that estate sale we did the other day? Which and I was like, always a bad thing. No. No, excuse me. No, I'm all about the estate sales. Yes, that's exactly where she found it. Amazing. I was, no, I'm just thinking, no, don't. You know when you find the book in the estate sale, it's not going to be good. I'm going to tell you right now, then we have ghosts in the house. Because there's plenty of books in this house that have come from an estate sale. I, I love me some estate sales. Which just dawned on me, maybe like last week, how morbid that is. I'm like in search of like dead people's property you know and then one day i'm going to be that person there's going to be a estate sale for my stuff like <laughs> so yes the estate sale where there's like a random fucking trunk okay we're going to talk about the trunk in a second because that whole trunk scene i'm going to need you to explain that to me because you this is the second time you've seen the movie this is my first time so i can't catch every little thing but uh she starts reading this novel well, she first of all, she looks for it. She doesn't find it. Oh, yes. I just jumped ahead of She yes. goes home, 
there's a like brown paper bag in front of this door of her house or apartment rather that's got the book in it and she's like oh well my co-worker must have found it and sent it over here even though she said she was going to be doing something else tonight i bet she brought this book by probably wasn't a ghost or anything it's fine because she knows i spend my whole work day looking for this book and it work i just went through all the stacks of books <laughs> trying to find this book that's what i did because this is the kind of bookstore it is you get paid and maybe one person randomly will come in and let me tell you they did have people that came into the store and i, I have met all of those people <laughs> i love the really old guy that was buying the joy of sex book and they're all both just like ew no yeah hey you know he at his old age still wanted to educate himself on how to be a good lover. You gotta give him props to that dude. And he was wearing a trench coat. Of course he was. That's... <laughs> yeah, somewhere to put the book when he goes into the porno store down the road. So, <laughs> so she gets, she's like, oh, starts reading the book right off the bat. And this is, this is the other thing I love about the movie. Normally, you know, you have a character who's reading a novel they're just reading it and then maybe they'll go later on have a dream about it whatever as you're as she's reading it you're visually seeing it on the screen it comes to life yeah so the pieces of the novel that she's reading you're actually watching and but she is the main character because like most of us when you read when you're reading something you're reading it but whoever's the main character like when you're envisioning it in your head it's you like, I mean, I don't know how deep people are getting into it with their books, but, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm the fucking character. I'm feeling these emotions and I'm going through these trials and shit. So she's the main character. And I'm like, I'm not about this dude, like the I Madman dude. Like he's fucking majorly creepy. And how crazy you have to be, like, so... This she didn't like this dude's face, like basically, like he liked her, he was into her, she was not into him at all, yeah. And she was like, I don't like that's like me, like, we're like, I don't like your nose, I don't like your ear, and I think you have a terrible chin, right? And he's like, Oh, really, bitch? He goes home and he just cuts all those fucking pieces off. Then he shows up at her apartment and he's like, Look, I. He, he has a fucking scarf looking like what's his face from Star um, the people from Star Wars takes the fucking scarf off and has all these pieces missing off his face and he's like look I removed it that's how much I love you and of course she is you know completely ungrateful for this <laughs> typical woman she tells a man to change and then when he changes mad at him for changing wow yeah, he Van Gogh's himself because he fucking took an ear off. Like, he did the whole the whole thing. So um, then he starts making it his mission to get his parts back. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's like she did not love you or want you with the parts. She don't still don't want you without the parts. I'm pretty sure if you're going to be taking other people's parts, she's not going to like that either. Look, the guy didn't think about that the first time. He's not thinking about it now. I guess, because he's really not thinking about it. And why every time she's reading, there's a thunderstorm going on? Now look, 
I'm all about like, okay, reading a spooky story, you know, the thunderstorm does make it a little scoop. But I mean, every single time, like. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird part too. There's always a rainstorm when she started to read. And I, I tell you, once I start reading a book and no matter how good the book is, if I put that book in a bag and then turn around, the book is out of the bag, laid on the table, open to the page I was reading, I'm done with it. Or if the book also is inching forward towards you from yeah. one end to the table, also a bad sign. Also a bad sign when you read the book and you look up and you see the shadow of the guy from the book just standing in your doorway, book goes out the window. I don't care how good it is. I have to say that I don't know if the screenwriter is, you know, a lover of literature um, and, or, and or bookstores. But I'm going to like, it was spot on when she had the book there on her bedside. And even though it scared her and her boyfriend, again, once again, came over to console her wink, um, she could not go to sleep because all she was thinking about was the book. What's going to happen next in the book? I've been that person. I have been that person that is like sleep like you're counting down the like okay like you're doing math when it comes okay well if i go to sleep at this time then i still have like four hours to like sleep and that's gonna be a fine because i'm gonna take a nap in the afternoon and you're like planning like the next day just so you can fucking get more reading time in because you're obsessed like you need to know and that was like man i i i that's that's a real person right there because i have done that many times and how there's a Humpty Dumpty figure on her bedstand, um, which metaphor for what's going on. He's putting himself back together again. Also, let's let's talk about her apartment for a minute. Oh, yes. <laughs> her apartment is, I'm going to use the word eclectic as like, what is going on in this apartment? She has like creepy clown figures just sitting around. Uh, the whole house is just one of those ones that looks like a murder place. Uh, this is the, the car apartment looks like the place you would see on one of the documentaries where they went to the murder victim's house. Everything's a little bit run down. There's like the, she's got the old time TV with it, which I realized it wasn't that old in 89. But by then, even at that point, TVs with knobs on them were getting kind of old. She's got like the old TV with the big knobs on it and... It's just a very strange looking apartment. It is, but at the same time, she's a bookseller in she an has indie store. Surprisingly few books in her apartment, though. Why would she buy the books? She could read them for free. We didn't even see her buy the I Madman book. She That's just true. took she just, that she shit. Just told her, took it right out of the guy's possessions. So we we never even see the owner of the bookstore. These women are just running a mug in there. Like, hello, she spent one whole day just looking for the book. She got paid for that. <laughs> so she she don't got no money. But it's like a friend situation where it's like, okay, she a bookseller. It's like 1985. Maybe she making like $2 an hour. How much is his apartment? Is it rent control? She does live in the city. I don't know if it's Boston, New York. I can't remember. Oh, it was LA. LA, okay. LA, which it's like, it looks like one of those like loft factories. Like those factories that turn to lofts because she has those windows. 
there's like very specific windows yeah. when it's like a factory, it's like, like an old industrial kind of building. Exactly. Like what's Even her face? Then, like her apartment back in 1989 was probably like six or seven hundred dollars a month, which was exorbitant at that point. That's her whole fucking check. And then some, probably. Hence why she didn't have any pants at the beginning of the movie because she can't afford them. <laughs> she can only afford pants to work in. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's why if when, when I was a bookseller, well, no, I did actually buy books. actually had a crazy obsession with buying books because it was one of those, like, you know the book might go out of print and you're like, oh, goodness, I have to get this book. Cause and I don't also know they were cheap, so you just bought tons of them. I'm not going to see them again. Well, especially when there's, like, the special, like, once a year, like, extra employee discount. You're like, you got to get all the books. Um, yeah. I, I, this movie just... It's one of those, like, you see what's going to happen. Like, you, you know, oh, shit, this is going to happen. Like, no one's going to believe this woman. Like, this freaking um, I madman, he just goes around, just starts killing everyone that she knows. And it's it's one because, of those... like, the book says, like, she's in, she takes an acting class, too. And one of the people in the acting class has just gotten a fantastic job on a, a TV show. Mm-hmm. And they're all talking about it. And it's a red-haired girl. When she reads the book, they're like, oh, I had to chase her down because she had red hair and I had to make it mine. So he finds the red-haired girl in the book, scalps her, and takes her hair. Well, of course, that immediately, that very night happens to her friend. Well, then, her acquaintance. They weren't friends. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Her classmate. Yeah, and so, of course, she gets sculpted. And let me tell you, he looks ridiculous with that curly red hair. It was just like... It's not a good look for him. He looked like a fucking... It's like Daddy Warbucks put on Annie's wig suddenly. (laughs) It's very creepy looking. Once you see it, you're like, oh, God, no. Get that the hell out of here. And it's like bleeding because it's from the scalp. I was bleeding down Danny Warbucks' super white bald face. It's just the blood coming down with the red wig on. You're like, oh no, oh, this doesn't look good. Like, Don't you like my hair? Swipe right, swipe right, keep going. <laughs> Do you love my new look? My locks of love for you? Yeah, it got creepy quick. <laughs> so she's like, oh shit, this bitch I said I hate it. So I was jealous of her. Uh, she's dead now, so. Uh, that's not good. So, you know, the cop boyfriend, which makes that very convenient, by the way. Um, all these murders start happening. And yeah, it's all people that she like, like knows or is like, like knows or cares for. And they start getting their pieces like, you know, chopped off. Cause the he's piano guy across the street gets it. And that's where he's kind of like, Hey, wait a minute. This tip came anonymously, but you know, my girl that I'm seeing her window looks right into this window. I've noticed it while we're having sex and the guy's playing piano to accompany us. I wonder if she reported it. Of course, sure enough, she does. Also, how devastating. She, there's no more concierto. Like, there's, that's it. The concert is over, dude. And I love when he's down at the police station with her and she's describing the guy. And then she's like, says something. I can't remember what it was. And you can just see everyone, like, slowly close the notebooks and put them away (laughs) because they're like, Oh. oh, she's crazy. And then they just as much as say that later on. They're like, oh, yeah, that's the crazy chick that John's banging now. So we, uh, we, we're we listening to her, but we not really do anything about it. Yeah, but she's hot. So, like, they get it. They're like, oh, okay. I everybody's, see everybody's like fist bumping. and like, I got you, bro. I understand. We'll tolerate her because we, we know you're tapping that. 
And we get it. Cause we she's... get it. We've all been there. We've all dated the crazy girl. It's fine. She's mad hot. So so we get it. She's oh. on the crazy hot scale. Her hot, her crazy hasn't outweighed her hotness yet. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> and, you know, my thing is like, I was like, oh shit, this is going to be Candyman style. They're going to throw this bitch in the fucking insane asylum. It's over for her. Like, she's done so... And, no, you know, she's just a crazy lady. And, no, that never happens. You know why? Because she always just, like, arrives. And she's not the idiot that's like, oh, let me go pick up the hand of this bloody person and get blood all over myself. Like, because <laughs> Virginia Madsen, man, she just, it was not good. She got red, caught red-handed multiple times. Yeah. Um, and she's also smart enough that like she would to point out like, you know, I was here when this happened with other people, or I was here when this, I was here with the cop when this one happened. Yeah, so. but when you're telling the people like, hey, this is gonna happen, and then it happens, I feel like that's not a good look for you. There, I don't know if they're gonna truly believe you had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I feel like you'd be prime suspect in that one. Like. Tell you what, let me put you in a cell for a couple of days and see if these murders stop. Oh, they did? What a surprise. I do really, I mean, I can't really think of another film that has, um, like, a person that's come to life, like a horror film where, like, a character in a novel has come to life. I feel like there is one, but I'm just not really remembering kind of the stuff from in the mouth of madness everything he wrote came to life yeah, well, eventually but it, it was like his brother though right so no in the mouth of madness i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i was thinking of the dark half i feel oh. like we covered those back to back or we sold those movies back to back the dark half is what i was thinking okay because i was like hmm, brother in the mouth of madness you're crazy <laughs> yes in the mouth of madness yes and in the dark half I mean, they're both novelists. I mean... Here's the thing that, that this movie that I kind of like that it does is it never really bothers to explain how he comes back. It, he just does. They never say, like, oh, he did a special ceremony. Or, like, a lot of these movies always come up with something like, oh, he was on a special sacred site and he did this and that. They never say anything. He's just the ghost of a guy who came back. He wrote the books... The Malcolm Brand guy, she eventually finds out. He actually wrote these books, but they were kind of autobiographical because he may have been doing these experiments with the jackal, and he may have cut his face up like that, and all this kind of stuff. And then, of course, you find out it's true. He did all this stuff and just wrote books about him because she notices they're in the nonfiction section when she checks the, uh, you know, the information at the front. Yeah, I also thought, though, they mentioned, like, he started like seeing like in the i mad man yeah he started seeing his own like characters come to life yeah so maybe he just had he just had that fucking crazy power where he can just he was making things come to life but like just imagining them yeah but, so they were they were never really clear on why it was happening yeah and also who fucking cares i just yeah that's it. what i was gonna I, it, it's a little better sometimes when they just say yeah this is happening and go on with their life they don't try to worry and explain it you know yeah, it was like, uh, it he's was no, on a no burial Celtic ground. burial ground. Yeah. yeah, okay, damn, we both went for the burial ground. Damn. That's because it's, it's happened so many times. Yes. <laughs> There's a totem that was brought back from Africa, and we just... That's why I love The Simpsons, where they're, like, taking the tour of the house when they're shining, you know, like, homage. And he's like, 
Well, it's been the site of satanic rituals, it was built on an Indian burial ground, and it hosted five John Denver Christmas specials. It's like, oh, John Denver. <laughs> that was the evil, creepy that was part, the part of that them. scared him out. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah, I, he, yeah, he just, the whole, I, I think my thing is that got me was the part of the film towards the end where, of course, you know, you have to have her fight the dude, right? And the boyfriend has to come in and help, you know, that whole uh, event has to happen. But, like, the way that she's like, oh, I know what's going to help me in this situation. Let me just think about or open the, the first book to get the creature out of that book. So yeah. then she just opens the book and starts. That's what kind of reminded me a little bit of In the Mouth of Madness. She just grabs it and starts reading from the book, describing the creature, like the jackal creature. And it just pops to life and just immediately goes after the guy. And we did state earlier that the guy playing I Man Man is a special effects artist. And he also worked on um, the, gate. the gate, which this creature looks like one of the, the creature from the gate. Yeah, it's a very stop motion animation. and Which is, you know, another part that I really love. The stop motion animation part. Yeah, it's a creepy little thing they've got going, and there's some great effects in the fight with it. It's it's a very creepy little monster. And he's fighting, so now you have the two villains, you know, fighting one another. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and then they go bursting through the window. Now, the part, and that's the part that I, my favorite part of the whole film is, they burst through the window and they just turn into fucking leaflets of paper. Yeah, and they just, just turn to book pages and just blow in the fucking wind. Blow into the wind. No explanation for that either. It, you know, it was like worlds collided and they went back to its original form that it's just a fucking story. They're not real. Also, the back half of her apartment now suddenly faces out into a residential neighborhood. <laughs> I was like, wait, she. Her apartment before was like on the city street, and now the back half, she's looking out the back window, which is hilarious because, or no, wait, no, I'm sorry, they were in the bookstore when that happened. But even then, the bookstore was like in downtown LA, and then right behind them is just a suburban neighborhood? Maybe. I guess. It seems a little odd, but hey, whatever. And Orlando is that sandwich shop in the middle of a fucking neighborhood. You would never think, oh, there's a bunch of houses and apartments down here and a random sh- uh, sandwich shop that looks like a house. And there's no other like businesses around there. <laughs> That's true. It could be, but I'm just saying I thought it was funny. It is very odd. It is odd because it's like, oh, okay, that's that, that's apparently a thing. Moving eyes back and forth. Um, I give this film three knives, like a solid three knives. I was yeah. going to say three estate sale trunks, but... Oh, yeah, you were going to say something about the trunk earlier. Oh, the trunk was riddled in garbage. Like, for like oh, the estate sale trunk, why... Oh, that's not the part that bothered me. What was... I thought it was, like, the soul of Michael, uh, Malcolm Brand, or... The book was actually in there because the whole trunk at one point in the beginning was like shaking and knocking and making weird fucking noises. And then she opens it and then nothing happens. It doesn't go anywhere. Well, no, it's that, just... was the, that was the character in the book that opened the trunk that was knocking. And like when they, were in the, when they went into the room, when the hotel room in the book. No, that was when the I, trunk was knocking. Oh, I thought it was not. I'm I pretty sure when she went looking for it. 
And then they were like, oh, the girl she downstairs was everything like... everything fell out of it. We, we was knocking before her. We're going to have to go back to that scene because I literally thought... The girl's like, oh, uh, the manager, whoever owns the fucking thing, is like, the, there's the estate sale stuff. You still have to, like, check in. It's upstairs. And she goes upstairs because she was looking for the book. She sees the thing, and the thing is making weird fucking noises. And then she opens it, and there's nothing but garbage and a whole bunch of shit that falls out. And then she, like, literally, like, I remember turning to you and saying, well, she's looking for the book. Why didn't she take everything out and, like, rifle through the whole fucking estate sale trunk? She just kind of, like, looked at it and was like, oh, and then went about her life. So that's that's what kind of threw me off. But I guess we'll have to revisit it because that's my memory of that scene. You're saying that they yeah, was I don't remember that. the character and that had nothing, like, that was in the yeah, book itself. The, I think that was in the book at the beginning part of it, but maybe I'm wrong. But, yeah, that's that's what bothered me about I'm that I'm also going to give it a three knives. It was very entertaining, very fun. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's free on Tubi. Yep. Please watch it. Let us know if you liked it. And thank you so much for joining us again. Another episode of Jump Scare. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.